Hi, my name's Andre Liebenberg. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Yellowcake PLC. Uh, Yellowcake is the uranium investment vehicle. Um, we essentially hold only physical uranium, a little bit of cash. So we provide investors with the opportunity to invest in the uranium commodity through our shares. Andre, good to see you. Um, I haven't seen you since, I think, the, a couple of Adabas ago. Um, exciting times at the moment. Uranium price going through the roof. A lot of people leaning in to see what all the fuss is about. Kickoff. Let's try and help people understand precisely what you do. You purchase uranium and you hold it. So how 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 do you make money? How do we make money? Why, why will we make money? Okay. Um, so Yellow Cake is essentially a capital play. Um, when we listed in 2018, we raised $200 million. We spent 170 on uranium. We bought 8 million pounds at that time uh, at $21 a pound. Um, and, you know, we, we, we buy and hold for the long term. We uh, have this contract with Kazadamprom where we can buy up to $100 million worth of value of uranium each year. Uh, and we can do it completely at our option. It's a 1st of January to 31 December option. We can do all of it, none of it, multiple tranches. Uh, and the pricing mechanism is essentially the spot price. So it's the average of the two quoted weekly prices from Trade Tech and UXC. And the beauty about that option is it allows us to go and purchase $100 million of uranium essentially at, at the spot price. And as you know, many of you would have heard, today's spot market is extremely tight uh, to try and you know, buy £100,000, £200,000. Uh, it's going to be difficult and, and will impact the price. To try and buy £1.5 million or a million pounds is, is, is a different deal. So that's a very attractive option for us. It runs through to 2027. So a, a framework agreement that was put in place at the time of uh, our IPO, just to talk about how people make money. So when we IPO'd, we had a, you know, we raised $200 million, so $200 million market cap. At the $100 per pound uranium price, our net asset value is $2.2 billion. So you know, we're up 10 times in asset value um, in the last five years. We IPO'd at a price of two pounds. Our share price today is sitting a little over seven. So, you know, it, it's also been done quite well. During the course of the last three years, we've raised almost $600 million of uranium, uh, of uh, cash to essentially buy more uranium. Okay, great. So there's a few few moving parts there we should be able to get into. So the deal with Kazan and Prom at your election um, as to whether you do or don't through to 2027, five years ago, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Five years ago, <laughs> $21 um, compared to today's prices, that's, that's a... That's a Fantastic return today. Buying at spot is that quite as clever? And you know, how, how do you make margin? You've got to believe that the uranium's got a long way to run. We we do uh, certainly in the medium term. You know, when when we IPO'd, we took the view that uranium was a commodity. Commodities are cyclical. We convinced ourselves that we were closer to the bottom of the cycle. You know, at some point we're going to get to the top of the cycle. That's that's the way commodities work. But you know, if you look at what underpins that, and that's supply and demand. Um, and, you know, demand has got a whole lot better over the last five years. I think back uh, at 2018, the view was that the demand side would grow one, one and a half percent per annum. I think we're now looking at three, three and a half percent per annum. You know, so demand has got a lot better. There's been a big tailwind from policy, government policy, all these carbon neutral goals. 
There's been a big tailwind from the invasion of Ukraine and energy security, energy independence. Um, and, you know, we, we're now starting to see SMRs, you know, moving forward in, in a meaningful way. And against that backdrop, supply hasn't really moved. You know, we the peak of supply was 2016, 160 million pounds. I think this year, what, we're going to get to 140, 145 million pounds. So, you know, to me, this is very much a supply side story. And and in this industry, you don't flick a switch and, and expect supply to come on instantaneously. It takes time. If you look at the big new Greenfields projects, you know, they, they're going to take time to come on stream. So I think, you know, the, the kind of disconnect we've seen, you know, with a spot price moving through 100 and, and you know, above most people's views on on incentive pricing you know it's trading really on on the shorter to medium term dynamics around supply you're not going to see meaningful supply come on in this industry before the end of the decade right so it's moved from buyer's market to seller's market um we, we can see that being reflective in the price um so we'll stick with the cows asking probably i guess probably the question i asked of you most frequently at the moment and i guess most frequent conversation in, in chat rooms and so forth is going to be around Kazat and Prom's ability to supply into contracts for you. So can you just give us an update as to, you know, where that relation's at, you know, what, and obviously we'll we'll talk about your your NAV positioning in a moment, but just Kazat and Prom relationship with you and the ability to supply into existing contracts with you. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good question, Matt, and and one that is quite topical ever since our last uh, equity raise in October of last year. Which, by the way, was at sixty-five fifty, <laughs> and it's not that long ago. Am I concerned that Kazadam Prom won't deliver the one and a half million pounds in Q two this year? Absolutely not. And and there are a few reasons for it. Firstly, when we do the deal, you know, when we raise the equity, we've agreed the price beforehand. Once we raise the equity, we know how much money we've got. We then agree the volume, which is simply you know the amount of money raised divided by the price. So we agreed the one and a half million pounds back in October last year, and we also agree a delivery schedule. So it's not a case that Kaz Prom have to deliver that material the next day, i.e. if they don't have an inventory, it's a problem. We, we agree a delivery schedule, and those schedules have been moving out, which you know, which I guess speaks to the fact that production's not that easy. So we agree a, a delivery date, um, and then they can plan it into, into their um, you know, production schedule. Also, it's not like the Cameco Inkai joint venture. We don't receive material from a specific mine within the Kazadam Prom portfolio. We we can get it across their whole portfolio. So again, they have flexibility. And and you know, the third piece on on, on that is that worst case, if if they don't have the material, they could do a location swap. You know, I don't have to get Kazakh material. If there's an issue, um, you know, maybe they talk to their Chinese customers and say, you know, can we do a swap with you? We'll give you a product in China. Can you swap some stuff out of Namibia into Canada? Or do you have some stuff in Canada for us? So, you know, they, they've got a lot of flexibility, A, on timing, B, across their whole, whole portfolio, and B, worst case, that, you know, they can do location swaps. And then the most important factor, I think, is Kazakhstan and Kazadam Prom are really pushing and, and pride themselves as, to, as being a reliable supplier to the West. Um, we're... I think their only customer that puts out announcements when we get deliveries. You know, when they deliver to the utilities in the US, you don't see an announcement every time they do a delivery. 
But we do make announcements. So, and and in the past, Gazatoprom have been very pleased that we've made these announcements because, you know, with the whole Trans-Caspian route and all the other issues, you know, if we say we receive the material on schedule, you know, it's another tick in in, in the box for Kazadamprom as as a reliable supplier. So, if they did miss the delivery, you know, and we put out the announcement, Kazadamprom missed the delivery. You know, firstly, I don't know what the spot price would be, and and, and you know, secondly, I think it it would damage that reputation. So, for those reasons, I you know, I think Kazadamprom not delivering to us is an extremely extremely low likelihood. I mean, I guess in. If I mean for a way, it, it's a paper trade, right? You, you hold the value of, of that uranium at an agreed price. Whether you've taken delivery of it and stuck it in Canico, Canada, or Irano with the French, d- does it matter to you, or, or is part of your, the remit of your company to actually have physical uranium, and, and that's the, the only point at which you can, I don't know, take the book value of it. I mean, how, how does it work on the financial yeah, side? So so we are physically backed. Um, but, you know, again, the question is, um, so when in October, we agree the, the volume and the price, and we agree a delivery. We don't pay for it then. So we actually sit on the cash. Once we receive the, the material, which will be, you know, quarter two this year, We've got 10 days to pay. So we don't run any credit risk, but we run price risk because we agreed that purchase at 65.50. You know, if they don't deliver, um, then we have to go and, you know, purchase uranium and it's not 65.50. So, you know, maybe you're just going to do one massive share buyback. But it's so we run price risk, but not credit risk. Right. So, so there's a kind of period, there's a kind of grace period. So when you say, the the Kazatom prompts it's it's kind of moving up in terms of the del- delivery dates because of everything that they've announced in the market um, and everything that a legacy of everything that happened during COVID. You know it, things have got tougher to deliver. So you're saying that you've got to physically receive that within a reasonable time frame. You can't hold that price at the point you place the order unless no, the, so yeah, the you price is it. held. Yeah, the price it is held. held. Okay, okay. Held. Just want to be clear. Yeah, the price yeah. is held all the way through. Um, up and uh, you know, uh, you know when we when we get the material, then it then it's ours. But yes, the price is fixed. So this, so that's why I say we run. You know, if we had to replace that volume, we run price risk on it, but no credit risk. Right. And is the is the, is this kind of like a, like a one deal company? I you only can acquire from Kazakhstan, or you got other inflows? No, so we it's not exclusive in the sense that we can go outside of the Kazakhstan contract. So if you look. In 2021, we did three equity raises. We bought nine billion pounds of uranium. Six came from Kazadamprom, and three came from the spot market. So we have done spot market purchases, right? But that's obviously very, very difficult at the moment. It's much, much harder now. So you know that's why I think that contract's valuable, right? So should we should we should we talk should we talk about this NAV element? Um, because for people need to understand that it's like we we've spoken to a North American. Uh, company here in the same same position regularly. So explain it to people for people new to this, and then we'll kind of get into you know how you manage that. Yeah. So so the you know the nav because we're at a discount uh, at the moment and have been for for some time. It's 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 frustrating, uh, but you know think about it a lot. The the folk that trade that uranium spot price are not the same folk that trade my share price. There's a disconnect as to the actors in the uranium spot market. And the equity market. So, 
the equity markets, our share price is much more impacted by a macro event. So if you go back last January, we were at a premium to NAV. We, we did a, an exercise of the previous year's option. And you know, within a short space of time, we had Silicon Valley Bank. We had China's COVID part two. Uh, we had crypto. And, and that had a big, big impact on the equity markets. You know, we're a liquid stock. We've got quite a big retail following. So in some sense, you know, we get treated as an ATM. If, you know, we've generally been up. So if people need liquidity and, and you know, they can sell a profitable stock, that, that's, that's liquid. So there are factors that impact our share price that are more macro related than, than the specific commodity. So if you look at last year, you know, the commodity went up the whole year. And yet, you know, for a large part of the year, we, we were at a discount and as was a peer company. So I think that's the, the the first thing. And secondly, if you look at what's happened over the last few months, you know, I think in the last two months, the share, the uranium price has gone from 80 to 100, 106 and, and, and tracked back to 100. Uh, you know, when the, when the price moves up that rapidly on not a lot of volume, you know, the share price in some sense plays catch up. So in that rapidly rising uranium spot price, you won't see the share prices front run it. Um, so I think that's that's been another factor. When it runs up that hard, some investors say, well, you know, there's going to be a bit of a pause. It may trace back a little bit or we'll go sideways. Um, so the equities lag a little a little bit. Um, so I think, you know, those are the sorts of factors. In, in the past, um, we've done share buybacks. Um, you know, I guess you could think of it as, as a redemption mechanism because we buy back our own stock and therefore buy back uranium, you know, at a discount to the spot price. And, and we've done, I think it was a $10 million buyback, a $3 million and a $2 million. That was against a much, much smaller company. You know, today we've got about $30 million of cash. If we did a buyback using all of that cash, we'd, we'd go through it in five days. Our liquidity is such, you know, we're trading over a million shares a day. We would go through that in five days. Uh, and on a $2 billion asset value, I don't think it will really, you know, it won't move the needle. So we need to think about that discount differently and and you know we are we've got a strategy session with our board coming up in in, in a few months time we will explore all the options um you know why why does it exist is there anything we can do about it you know we were currently aim listed could we could we go up to the main board you know we're we're, we're of sufficient scale so the the other things we need to think about beyond just the straightforward buyback which has kind of worked for us in the past. yeah i did that, that that feels like it would there's a rude phrase for that, but so we won't go there. It feels like it would be not as effective as some of the other things to which we'll be fighting against it. Like, say, like broadly, the markets for equities at the moment. The last three years have been a, a tough one for for, for juniors, and you, I think you're, he just about to say you kind of crept out of the junior space now. But um, things which, I guess, for me, I'm looking to see well. Is this still investable? This still investable story because there's, there's moments where you know because of the discounts now you're you're slightly out of control and you're describing an environment where macro events affect affect your um, ability to um, be in control. Um, so I've got to believe that the supply side of your story is a strong one and, and believable. And like, like you're talking to the converted here, but for um, again people looking in from outside, can can you? Can you point to any sort of specific things you think are up, up and coming or, up, above this sort of general, you know, reactor build out across the world and the change in, in political narrative around it and you know zero carbon 
uh, targets where, where it would be 20, 30, 40, or 50, depending on which con- countries um, you're talking about. So what else gives me certainty around this as an investment thesis, investment class, and, and a company, the way to invest in uranium? Yeah, so I, I would argue that the, the demand side is very distributed. So, you know, we've got 430 reactors in 31, 32 countries generating 10% of the world's electricity. Against the supply side, we're essentially four companies, I think five mines produce half the world's uranium and four companies, you know, 75% of, or four jurisdictions, 75% of the, the world's uranium. So you've got an extremely concentrated supply side against a very, you know, distributed demand side. So, you know, if, if there's a, a, a impact on, you know, on one element in the demand side, it, it just doesn't have the same magnitude as as the impact would be on supply. And, you know, the case in point would be Kazatomprom. You know, they're, they're due to come to the market on, I think, uh, tomorrow or the next day with, with their uh, results. And they, you know, they spoke about increasing production um, going back to their, you know, subsurface levels. Then they came out and said, no, you know, that that's going to be a challenge. And I think that just, it needs to remind everyone producing is really, really hard. You know, everyone thinks it's it's easy. You know, you need people, you need uh, supply chains, um, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. So I think, you know, we can get excited about all, you know, the carbon neutral goals and, and SMRs, but who's going to produce that stuff? We've got Kaz Adamprov coming out with their announcement, Cameco a week later, and we know those are the two big guys. They, they are the big producers. They, you know, they, they account for, I don't know, you know, a huge chunk of global supply and, and they're struggling. So... If, if they are struggling, you know, and, and you're a junior company, surely you're not immune from from the same issues that, that they face. And, and they, you know, they've been producing for decades. They know how to do this stuff. It's just really, really hard. So for me, I, you know, I, I think that certainly in the next three to five year time frame, it, you know, God forbid we have an, a, an event at a, at a mine. You know, you have weather events. They happen. You have strike events. So that the supply side is so tight here that any hiccups on the supply side and the price could almost go to anything. You know, I say that jokingly, but it's 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 that finely balanced. And it's going to take, you know, till the end of the decade to fix the supply side in a meaningful way. So are you saying that there's a kind of, there's a gap between supply catching up with current demand, let alone future demand, um, which potentially, because the size of the market, I, I think that people don't, don't realize this, uranium is a very tiny and small part of mining, which in itself is very very small sector indeed. So any change in the ability to produce, and we saw that with um, COVID coming along and the shutdown, Cameco shutdowns and um, Kazatom from shutdowns, it, it just basically just, well, the market was dead. There was, there, were, there was no production. It was, it was, well, extremely small levels of production. If that happens again, it's going to have a dramatic effect on the market. So are, are you saying that we've got a, we've got a, a gap now where the lack of current forecast supply, let alone allowing for any issues that some um, new producers or wannabe producers will have, um, investors could do quite well for themselves. How do you frame that? Yeah, exactly. And and you know, if we go back uh, a few years, we had you know there were a lot more inventories around. The spot market was much more liquid and, and supplied. So. You, you know, you've got that that release valve has, has, has also gone. 
Um, you know, then we looked at the coup in Niger and the impact on that. Um, you know, Cameco, uh, uh, you know, the MacArthur ramp up is is, is being tricky. Um, you know, it, it's just that's that's why I think in 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 the sense that um, you know that there is, I don't think the price you know will it go back below a hundred? I don't think so, but certainly not back below ninety. Could it go to one hundred and fifty? Absolutely. You know, I think we're in that tight tight window now on the supply side. And as I said, you know, supply will come if we fast forward ten years. You know, the new mines will come on stream, um, and then people will eke out, you know, extra bit of capacity from from tweaking, you know, the the the, the facilities. But right now, we're we're kind of at the opposite end, where everything's stretched on the supply side, and 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 any hiccups will have an impact on the price. Okay, it's uh, interesting indeed. Um... I'm trying, I'm trying to think of any sort of uh, other kind of you know, red flags that I need to to be aware of, which you know increases or the the, the chance of success, because because it is is a kind of one of my most big, uh, biggest questions. Lots of inbound to me personally, also inbound to everyone on the team here, which is you know have I missed the boat? You know is is, is this thing is this thing peaked? I think you're arguing a good case that you know um, there's there's a lot of drivers who suggest that there's going to be kind of big gap that needs filling in the next sort of three to five years. Um, is there anything that we're, we're, we're missing or perhaps need to be aware of? No, I think, you know, obviously we've had these um, announcements, the restart guys, you know, and kind of we'll see how, how that goes. And I think, you know, we, we've seen one or two minor slippages already, um, you know, and, and, and as, as we see, you know, more information and, and the ramp-ups come, we, we'll see, you know, it will again, I think, provide evidence of how hard it is to produce. So, you know, there's just not, I just don't see anyone coming up with a, oh, by the way, we produce an extra 10 million pounds. It's it's just, you know, it's, I just don't see any visibility on that side. I think there's much more risk of, oh, you know, we, we're, we're 1 million pounds under or something like that. I think there's much more risk of, of, of uh, you know, surprises to the downside than, than you know, surprises to the upside. Right. And so, and coming back to you, before you're cutting yeah, yellow cake, um, You've got to have a view on, on the market. If you're saying that you can be affected by global events, as as you are, um, you know, and one of those has been the the you know prolonged um, downward pressure on on equities for the last three years, partly presumably because of the printing of of money for fun uh, by governments around the world. Um, but when you look at to the next twelve months, twenty four months. Do you see any relief in that? Because that could positively affect your ability to, you know, in terms of the, the the nav component, to be able to actually get out there and, and precious pounds in the market as well. So, given that uranium is the only kind of green shoot, green shoots in the market at the moment, the rest of it seems to be waiting for some kind of um, response from whether it be the Fed or whether it be sort of, you know some global event. How do you read it, and you know, and do you think that could actually release the valves for you as well on, on another level? Yeah. So, so the you know the uh, the macro puts pressure on our nav, um, but you know, if we do get back to par or, or or a premium, we've certainly seen even in a tough macro environment, there is money for the right asset class. So, you know, I think uh, uranium has 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 shown. Um, you know, last year we did two two equity offerings, and and you know both both were oversubscribed. 
So I think, you know, for the right asset class, there, there is money. I'm, I've been trying to read a lot of banking stuff and, and, and you know, what's going to happen in the macro this year. We've had quite a good run in the equity markets the last couple of months. Um, you know, now there's been a bit, of a bit of a pause. What's happening in China? Is there going to, here we've got, I don't know, you know, how many elections coming up this year. I think half the world's population get, get, get to vote this year. And we've got some fairly significant elections. So, you know, I think volatility is going to be the name of the game. Um, you know, are, are we, we, we coming out? You know, are things going to get better? Um, I think so. But, but it's, you know, it's not going to be in a straight line. So I think there are going to be a bump, a few bumps along the road. But again, you know, if, if we get into that point where um, we, we're at par, then, then um, you know, I think we can get the equity. And just it's sort of interesting the way that the Kaz Adam Prom option works. If I go back to October last year. So when we got the price in, in, in I think we got it on the Tuesday, price of 65.50, which was the average of the two spot prices. You know, so we had the price pegged. We were at a few percent discount to NAV. But what happened in the next four or five days, the price went from 65.50 to 72. So at $72, you know, we were suddenly at a premium or, or at par. So, you know, on a look-through basis, we, we were able to raise that equity because the uranium price had moved quite quite significantly in a, in a short space of time. So there are opportunities for us to come to market. But equally, you know, we we got 20 or 22 million pounds of, of uranium on a pro forma basis, $2 billion asset value. You know, growth in of itself is not an imperative. When, when we were a $200 million company, we were keen to get to $500 million. You know, we needed to get our liquidity up. We became investable to a whole bunch of new folk. But given our size now, you know, there's no imperative to grow for growth's sake. You know, if we can grow accretively, we will. If if we can't, you know, we'll we still think there's a lot of upside in the uranium price. It's kind of interesting. I was speaking to the your kind of your U.S. peer <clears throat> about a week or so ago. You know, and, and you know, I think he was he was sort of commenting on the fact that there aren't going to be any new entrants um, to to this market who do what you do and what they do. Because it's hard. It's really hard to set up. It's, there's a real big barriers to entry uh, in, in that sense. So, well, well, one, do you, do you see that before I get on to my next question? Absolutely. I think, I think there was a lot of talk about these vehicles coming to market maybe a year, 18 months ago. I almost think they've missed the boat. You, you know, I, I think our North American peers absolutely right. You know, they, they purchased UPC. It was preloaded with 16 million pounds. When we came to market, we preloaded with eight million pounds of surplus Kazakh material. You know, how do you preload a vehicle today if you can only buy a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand pounds? And and you know, how can that be meaningful meaningful for investors in terms of liquidity and all the other issues? I think unless you can preload the vehicle with, you know, with a couple of million pounds, then it becomes a two hundred million dollar vehicle and then it becomes, you know, investable. But I I, I think um, outside of that, the, the new entrants have, have, have almost missed the boat in terms of getting into this market. Right. And and, and just answer questions. So it's, a te- it's a technical question around how the buying works. Because again, I keep question, I'm dealing with some questions that people kind of people send in. I don't always have the answers. I certainly don't to this one, which is, you say, well, if you've got cash available to you, surely in some way you can sort of manipulate the, the price in the sense that you can bid 
whatever. I guess the market, we saw what happened when it went to, you know, 106. It was a week, a week or so ago. The whole market went into a, a frothy frenzy. Um, why do vehicles like yours and like your, your peer um, not do that? Why does that not make sense? Well, but yeah, I think, it, you know, you fire one bullet, it, it, it's not sustainable. So unless you can keep doing it. So yes, we can buy a hundred thousand pounds, we move the price up and then, you know, if there's no further bids, then the price comes back down. It, you know, I think the, the comforting uh, factor <clears throat> is that if you look at the last two months, you know, we haven't been in the market at all. At all. Our North American peer is, has bought a little bit and yet the price has run up $20. So the price has run up not because the financial buyers are, are you know, are sort of cornering the market. It, it, it's, um, it, it's you know, the, the opposite. It's gone up on fundamentals. Um, so, you know, whether it's producer buying or utility buying, it's not because, you know, one entity has hoovered up 10 million pounds. So I think it's it's much more sustainable. Yes, you know, it's dripped it back a bit. And I think part of that is there were expectations that the Senate would pass the legislation earlier this year and, and that sort of deferred. And maybe there's been a bit of prop that's come out the market, but it was still at $100 out. Yeah, let's, let's not forget that bit. Uh, it, life, life, life is good, but, it, you know, obviously I think people want to see or expect to see that kind of move through the phases and it will be stops and starts, but I think the general general trend is up and um you know amongst all of that energy security is such a big component of it i personally am looking forward to seeing people coming out with you know firmer numbers around the smr and what that's going to do to demand so i think that could be super exciting andre um all good i appreciate you making the time to come uh, and speak to us i know you're busy um you're going to be down in 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 cape town talking to a few people down there, I'll hopefully see it, see it um, at one of, one of the uh, events down there. But uh, appreciate your time. Stay in touch, okay? Thanks, Matthew. It's always a pleasure to chat to you.